I'm glad you're here today. Because how many of you would how many of you would, would you say that my life is pretty filled up and busy? Anybody? Any okay, is just a handful? No. Seriously, hold them up real high. I just want to. I want to check. I mean, just how many? Okay, I got. I got. I got. I think Chris is all in. I think he's all in. I am so glad that you're here because I'm going to give you fifty nine ways that you can simplify your life. Okay. And that you can kind of reset the busy, but I got 59 of them. It's going to be the best sermon that you have ever heard. I'm going to spend at least 10 minutes on each point, and um, you're going to be blessed by it, right? Uh, some of you are already checked out. You have already checked out. You're thinking, uh, now you all need to hurry up and get that list going around there, by the way, that 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 list needs y'all need to hurry and do it right we live in a hurry up world don't we don't we yes it's a hurry up world that we live in and that's the series that I'm going to look at um, for the next month or so and uh, I would invite you to, to Luke chapter 10 but we live in a culture that we value multitasking I mean, we we value the the ability to do one or two or three events or things at one time, you know, cook a meal, talk on the phone, um, and you know, sweep and clean all the dishes up all at the same time, you know, or something like that, something similar to that. We we value that. But you know, one of the studies that that they're they're finding is that this multitasking doesn't necessarily mean that we are doing any better in productivity. Now, that's something to think about. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to talk to you very serious about this idea of, of, of being busy. Because, I mean, you know, invariably you ask somebody, how are you doing? Oh, I'm just, and I do it too. I, I say, oh, I'm just busy. And, and it's busy. And if, if you're here with children, you know how busy it is. You know how busy life gets. Um, and we put a great value on productivity and not being idle. It's it's a value, and we live in a hurry-up world. We want things to hurry up now. If it's your computer and you find it running a bit slow, you sit and... Uh, do anybody here talk to your computer, ever talk to your computer screen? Is it, how, how well does it listen? It doesn't, does it? You know, that, that little icon, that little thing, is, you know, that time, it says, okay. And you go, da, 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 da. you know, hurry up. Hurry up. Uh, I, I remember when we'd go on vacation with the kids, and Rachel was, my daughter Rachel was probably the worst. Me and Andrew would listen to Stephen Curtis Chapman in the front, and we'd just be rocking along um, uh, to the great adventure. And Rachel would be like, uh, Dad, when are we going to be there? Are we there yet? And about, you know, at about three hours out, she would start that. And, I mean, it would just get on your nerves. Um, you know, are we there yet? No, we'll be there shortly. But you told, Mom, he told me that, <laughs> well, we're getting there. But this this concept of time, and and we want, we want, we want things 
now. And, and you know, you know, most of us don't like to wait, do we? That's another sermon. That's another message. But And we cram more and more into our time schedules. Have you noticed that? How we, we, we don't say no. If you don't set some boundaries in your life, you say yes to everything. Man, your schedule is, I mean, scheduling is like, poof. There's a lot of people that would be at church today if they felt like they had the time. And it's time change Sunday. Think about it. You had more time in, in our perception of time to get here and to each actually be here on time. And today is the day. Matter of fact, they say that time change Sunday is the best day of church attendance. I think that will change. But this concept of time. I don't think when we get to heaven, Jesus is going to, God's going to ask us and say, and he's going to say, well, how are you doing? He says, how busy were you? How busy were you? Were you busy? And we even, we've got a religious version of it. Don't we? Never will forget it. When I was talking about, thinking about ministry and, and um, going into the ministry, I sat down with my pastor, who was Dr. Tim Sturgill at the time, and we sat and talked about philosophy of church management and how to how you manage church schedule. And, he, and he, I never will forget. He, he emphatically said, he said, Greg, he said, you know, a lot of times we think that the most spiritual thing you can do is to do something every night at church. He said, that is the wrong concept. He said, you need to be training folks. How to have family time? How to how to do how to have devotions? How to to integrate their spirituality in their everyday life, and not feel like that you to be a quote unquote a spiritual person that you've got all this activity going on. And I thought, really, and that changed my whole paradigm in the way. And it, listen, it changes the paradigm of the way most people live. If you equate your spirituality with activity then what happens is you end up living your life purely on a surface level. Why? Because the busy life draws our attention to surface level living. When we, when we live the busy life and the busy life schedules, our attention is to surface level living and to superficiality in relationships. Now think of that. So we simply lose deeper, vital connections that God has created us to find satisfaction in. You say, is, it that, is the busy life that big of a deal? Yes, it is. You say, but I'm getting all the activity. I'm get, doing all the, the, the surplus level activities. I'm doing that right. That doesn't necessarily equate with soul satisfaction. There are two different things. What God has created us to know and to have is intimacy and deep relationships. And that is, that is more than just surface level living. That is more than just the surface how, how are you. It's more than just the surface how are you in the complaint or the surface how, how are you. I'm busy. And I'm, I'm going to give you the sure tell sign if you're too busy. You'll know it. Matter of fact, when, when we get to it, you'll know it. Billy Graham said it this way. He, he said that the, this high-strung, neurotic, impatient age 
This fast-paced age has produced more problems and less morality than previous generations, and it has given us jangled nerves. True, isn't it? He goes on to say that impatience has produced a crop of broken homes, ulcers, and has set the stage for more world wars. Now, does Jesus have anything to say about this? Well, guess what? He does. Now, you're going to look at this in, in this particular passage as we look at it, and you're going to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that one. And you're going to identify with the two characters that we're in here with. I can identify with both of them at times. Um, I can identify with Martha and Mary at times. And with, with both of them. So I think that we've got all of, uh, you know, we, you can relate to both of them in a lot of ways. But I want you to get the scenario. Let's look at the context of this. Jesus had just been teaching. And he had taught the parable of the Good Samaritan. About, about the one who shows mercy is, is a trait of the characteristic of God. And I can imagine that Martha and Mary and perhaps even Lazarus or somebody, they were out there in the crowd and they were hearing him teach this. And it had really struck a chord. And so after the crowd was beginning to disperse, you know how people stand around after church and talk? I can imagine there were some people standing around there and talking. And, and Jesus is, you know, they're asking him questions and, and they're getting, you know, feedback. And, you know, Jesus is talking. And, and uh, I can imagine Martha comes up and says, you know what, I, I think I'd like to have Jesus over for lunch. I think, I think I'd like to have him for lunch. So, uh they go to lunch in, in the home of Martha and Mary. They didn't have fast food that day, and, and you know their 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 favorite Italian restaurant was closed, perhaps, right? So we get to Martha's. We get to we get to Martha's house, and Martha invites Jesus in to the home. Now, they had entered this small village where Martha and Mary lived, and probably with their brother. Um, Lazarus here. And look at the scripture here because this is so neat. Now it happened as they they went, they entered this village, a certain village, and a certain woman, we want you to know who she is, named Martha, welcomed him into her house. Now how many how many of you know, if you have house guests, I mean the, the stress level has already just went from here to, anybody here know that? Guys, you better not say anything. You better not say anything. I mean, the stress level just went from right here to right here because you, you know it. You feel you feel like you have a house guest, and you want things just right. You don't want to you don't want to be judged wrongly, and you know you you know you clean up a few things, and you put the junk in the junk room, and you know these uh, you know you've got you've got one of these drawers in your house somewhere that it's got it's just full of junk, right? And you put all that stuff in there, especially because you're a good hostess and you don't want people to see your junk, right? And, and well, some of you don't have that. Some of you, you may don't have that. Maybe you just throw everything away. That's another way of taking care of a lot of stuff as well. But the, the, the pressure's on. Now, Martha had a sister and her name was Mary. And, Mary, and she had a sister, Mary, and they say, 
who also sat at Jesus' feet. So there's this extended conversation going on. Jesus is talking real-life stuff with Mary, and the conversation's getting deep. It's kind of like when you're standing around talking, and you realize that somebody's in a real deep conversation with each other. Have you ever done that? And you find, kind of feel like you're treading in on holy ground, or, or you're like, you know, there's no place to jump in the conversation. But notice here, she heard Jesus' word, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached Jesus, and she said these words. Lord, do you not care? Now you got to hear it. Because there's a barb in this. Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? We are here to serve you. And I'm doing it all by myself. Therefore, tell her to help me. <laughs> right? I need help. Now, you know when you need help, don't you? Huh? Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, why are you, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Now, we're going to look at this. Because we see the reality of impatience. There's a sign on my desk that, uh, that says, it's actually Teresa's, hurry always empties the soul. And that's a, that's a very true, true statement. You see, the busy life breeds impatience. It breeds impatience in our life. And what surfaces from the realm of the soul is your soul responds when it's in a hurry. And it responds with impatience. You say, well, is that that big of a deal? Well, let's think about it. Can you ever imagine God being impatient? Matter of fact, what we get from Scripture is just the opposite. He is slow to anger. He's slow to wrath. He's long-suffering. God is long-suffering. He's slow to anger, slow to wrath. Matter of fact, when, you know, we, it's assuming that even when we're going with the gospel, we're going and sharing and telling. The things I have a feeling that I hurry over, Jesus wouldn't hurry over. We hurry over things that won't matter. We, we hurry over things and we find ourselves bent out of shape over stuff that really, in the large scheme of things, will not really make a mark or a dent in eternity. Now, Jesus told Zacchaeus, who was up in a tree, he says, now you make haste, Zacchaeus, come down because I'm going to your house today for supper. Now, that was a big deal, seeing that this guy was a tax collector and uh, seeing that he was a notorious sinner. I mean, it was a big, big deal. And, and so sometimes I think we need to make haste with spiritual things more than we do the things that we make haste over or that, or that we find ourselves hurried up about. Now, Tertullian, who was a church, he was a church uh, father. He was a historian. 
He said this. He says, where God is, there is to his foster child, namely, patience. And what Tertullian would go on to say is that, is that when hurry and worry and busy captivates our lives, what happens is that we develop a life of impatience. It is a life where we are impatient. And I, don't, I would love to think that our culture is becoming more and more patient with each other. But I don't see the evidences of that. Do you? Matter of fact, we see the opposite. We're impatient with each other in our thoughts and our ideas. And we get impatient with people. And, you know, you, know, you just drive down the road and you can see that, right? We get impatient. Uh, we get a lot of things that try our patience, right? So, so what if we had a reset in our lives that we could do that? And we're going to look at what that means here in just a second. But I want to give you something that Corey Tinboom said. You say, well, Greg, I'm, I'm not sinning against God. Well, no. You're just too busy. And Corey Tinboom said this. And I, this has really just struck me when she, what, what she said. She says, she said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Think about it. If he can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. And her logic is sound, he said, is that both sin and busyness have the same effect. Think of this. It has the same effect. They cut off our connection, or we would say our fellowship with God. All of a sudden, you know, Tertullian says that patience is the foster child. And it's not that God goes away. It's just that our awareness of him has been covered over with all the stuff that we need to do. All the things that we need to do. Again, the litmus test when you get before God is not going to be, okay, how busy were you? You know, how many games did you go to? Did you miss a game? How many, how many events, family events did you miss? How many, how many things did you, you know, that's not in the purview. I don't think the busy life is in the purview of God. Now, this busy life, again, breeds purely surface level living. And it's interesting that the more that we fill our lives up with surface level activities, the less satisfaction we have in the depths of our soul. I've said it before, and the more that we, you think about our culture as filled with so many activities, so many things that we can connect with on surface levels, that the deep work of the soul we really shun. We're not even comfortable with it. It causes us to self examine our lives it causes us to look into the depths of our heart and it causes us to uh, and I'm going to share a little bit of a story personally about this in just a minute it, it it causes us to look in to the deeper things 
But it is only as you dive into the deeper waters that you will find a deeper and greater satisfaction of the soul. Now listen to this. That brings meaning to surface level activities. Surface level activities in themselves just just become the just becomes a task that you mark off, but when they're when they're undergirded with the reality of a deeper intimacy that is flowing from it, it brings meaning to the activities. Does that make sense? Does that just make sense? So I mean the the enemy's really sly in how he works this. He just gets you busy. You just get purely living on a surface level, surface level relationship, surface level this and that, the I'm fine mentality and, 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 and everything and mark off the list and I just live purely on a surface level and you never get down to living in the reality of a satisfied soul. That's where we're at. That's where most of our culture's at. In a culture that, that we value all this stuff, and it's not necessarily inherently bad in it, it's just we just naturally live on surface, and we say everything's fine. Until one day something clicks in us that things aren't fine. Things aren't fine in the home. Things aren't fine in my physical life. Things aren't fine in the way I'm thinking. Things are not fine in my relationships. Things are not fine in my job. Things are not fine in my life. And all of a sudden, the wheels seem to fall off the activity car, and we find ourselves stranded on the side of the road, and we're saying, what happened? car takes gas. It takes, some, it takes something to... some energy. So let me ask you, how patient are you? That's the real question. How patient are you? Okay, are you are you feeling real spiritual yet? Huh? Now, Martha's hurry up moment. Martha had a hurry up moment, and we see it here in this story. She felt the weight of responsibility that you're carrying. Now, that, we would say that's that is being responsible is a good thing. Would you not agree with me? Say amen. That's the right response. Having a sense of responsibility is a good thing. She felt the weight of the responsibility. Okay? Now, it's one thing to have responsibility, and it's another thing to feel the weight of the responsibility, especially when that responsibility is not is, is left undone. Matter of fact, what encroaches on that kind of, uh, of that kind of situation is this looming sense of guilt and inadequacy. Right? You just kind of work it through. Here I am. What is Jesus going to think? You know, I know he went to he went to Abigail's house and 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 they had him over there the other day for and I'm wondering what he thinks about her house. Somebody talk to me, right? You do the comparison thing, right? You compare. You compare notes. Well, I, I, wonder, I wonder how her souffle was. Yeah, you do that comparison thing. I, I, I wonder, you know, I, I, I hope he doesn't see that corner that I missed. Or the dishes. 
You know, just invite somebody. Listen, listen, guys, just, just do this for you wives. Just invite somebody to your house unannounced. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't. Don't do it. Yeah? yeah you won't, we won't notice. And your lady's are like, Greg, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay? You feel the weight of it. And then it pulls you, pulls you apart. The urgency of the moment pulls you apart. And I want you to know now with this, right? Everything is urgent. Every notification. I am notified with every event in the world. And I'm looking, how do I turn that off? I don't need to know. Okay, I'm getting really, I'm feeling this. <laughs> right, right? I don't need to know. But it ding, ding, you know. Um, I don't need to know. So it pulls us apart. And then you feel buried under with feeling, now get this, with feelings of agitation. She was agitated at Mary. And she was agitated at Jesus. Jesus, don't you care? You hear her words? Don't you care? I'm here working my fingers to the bone and you are talking. Right? Now, I know that you're more godly than that. I, I could identify with that. Especially if I'm on a task and, I'm wanting, and I've got a deadline or I've got something I need to get done. I can, I can relate to that. How about you? <clears throat> I can. So, we feel the weight of it. We feel the guilt. It pulls us apart and it buries us under. And that's where most of us are living. That's the average American life right there, summed up. True? Somebody say amen. And we wonder why. We wonder why our car quits. We wonder why uh, the, the spiritual, we wonder why the happy, this thing, of the pursuit of happiness, I thought it was in all this stuff, or I thought it was in the urgency of this moment and, and these responsibilities, and I feel better about myself when the task is done, and that's true. You do feel better about yourself. But does it matter in eternity? What if your kids miss out on something? What if your kids miss out on something? Seriously. A ball game or, um, or or an activity or something. How does that make you look as a parent? When all the other parents you know, now let me just talk to you a second. All the other parents you know, that they are saying this is activities is where it is. What we got to do, this is just it and this is just it. And what happens is we fill our lives with busy. And then we'll cross it over and cover it over with some spiritual activity. Activity. And we say, we feel better about it. And Jesus is saying, wait a minute, there's more to it than just glossing over our lives with activities. And then covering it with some 
spiritual stuff and feeling better about ourselves. Only thing we've done is we've made our... Now listen to me, I'm really preaching. Only thing we've done is really made ourselves feel better emotionally. That's it. But what we've not dealt with is the deeper underlying spiritual need for intimacy to be known of God and to know Him intimately in fellowship. And that takes something that you and I feel like we don't have. And that's time. And the sad thing is we're teaching it to our children. They're catching it. How do you remedy that? How in the world do you get off this runaway train? How, how, how do you do, is there a reset button that you can set? Yeah, I've got 59 of them. No, I don't. Just a handful. Just a handful. I'm going to give you the first one. And this is maybe all that I get to. Hit the reset button. God has created your soul to find its greatest satisfaction resting. So here we have Mary that's sitting at Jesus' feet. They're in deep conversation. She has time with God, the Son. She did not miss the moment. God has created you and He's created, listen, He's created your children with the same need. He's created your children and you to find the greatest satisfaction in your soul resting in Christ. You need to teach your children how to do that. And how do you teach them to do it? When they see you doing that. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are laborous and are heavy laden. And he said, I will put more work on you. I'll give you a job at the church. And we'll fill out, we will fill your life with more activity so you can feel better about yourself. No, he says, I've come to give you rest. You say, well, that's not too productive. Yeah, hurry up and get that thing around there. We got turkey to cook, right? <laughs> get our menu list is going around, as you know. Um, hurry up. Hurry up. Just hurry up. Jesus says rest. Number two, reset the busy button. Reorder your spiritual life by quieting your heart before the Lord. And you say, now I know some of you, if you would get quiet enough, you, you would get really quiet and you would grow, go into a deep spiritual state of slumber. Matter of fact, it's, it's hard for some of you to stay awake at church. I know that because you get quiet long enough and your body, you get relaxed. Is there anything wrong with relaxing? Okay, I got one or two who's like, no, <laughs> that's cool. Some of, you, some of you are saying, yeah, I would like to be able to do that. 
Some of you, you in your relaxed state, your mind is running. You got to hit re, re, and you reorder your spiritual life by quieting your heart before the Lord. That means you sit in silence, you turn the phone off, and you are silent before the Lord. And you say, "Lord, I'm here, and I'm just listening. And you speak to my heart." That's it. Quiet. Quiet silence. Your heart communes with God. Number three, simplify your schedule. Now, that's, that's easier said than done. I realize that. Um, simplify your schedule. Create some margins in your life. Here's what happens with our lives. See, we go full blast, full blast all the time, and then something happens in our life that causes us that we have to attend to, and all of a sudden we don't have any margin in our life. We don't have any boundaries set. And then you feel very overwhelmed. Why? Because you don't have any margin. So you've got to simplify your schedule. That's very practical, is it not? Some things, you know what? Some things, the best thing that you could say is no to some, some things. Right? Some, that's why you need to know your purpose and your gift and where God's called you. And, but, and, and some things, the most godly thing that you can say is no. Why? In, in other words, you have defined your life and you know where, what it is that God has called you to do and you do that. And you give your attention there. Fourth thing is this. Cultivate the interior life of communion with Christ in prayer. You begin to pray. It's now getting to prayer. You begin to cultivate the interior life. The things that are going on in your mind. Your communion with God. With Christ. In prayer. Number five. Well. William Hunt, I like this picture. This is an old picture of Jesus standing at the door and he's doing what? He's knocking. This is called Christ the light bearer. Jesus is standing at the door knocking. And if you notice around the door, I mean, there's weeds growing up. This, this door is not used very much. It's dark. This, I've always found this picture, this painting, intriguing. There's no door handle. And Jesus, it's kind of left to your imagination. What in the world is going on inside there that they can't hear the knock at the door? This can revolutionize your prayer life. You say, I want to make time for God. Listen, He's already at the door knocking. And what happens is we've got too much busy stuff going on in our mind and in our lives, that we can't pause long enough to open the door and say, Oh, it's you, Lord. It's you, Lord. This verse absolutely terrifies me. Revelation 3.20 says, And it was written to not to lost people. It was written to the church. Behold, I stand at the door, and I And I'm saying, Lord, I don't want to be the person that has left you on the outside of my busy life.
And Jesus said, I will come in and we'll have fellowship together. We'll sit down and we'll share a meal together and we'll share conversation together. I want to ask you, where's Jesus at in your life? Where is he? Where is he in your business? Now I've got to close because you got things to do. And I do too. <laughs> Here's number five. You connect with one with the one community. Think about it. The church is the one community that is solely devoted to your soul care. And your family ought to be also. The church is here to minister to you and to your family. You teach your children this. How do they know it? How how will the children know. They'll know it when they see mom and dad. And I, I listen, I know it's a struggle. Get it. I get it. I'm in it too. Sometimes I, I sometimes I'm the Martha and sometimes I'm the Mary. I'll tell you the story next week that I was going to share with you. But I'm just going to ask you, where are you? Is Jesus standing on the outside of your door knocking and when you stand before him one day are you going to say well Lord I just stay busy with what I'm just asking you I don't know what you need to do this but you know where the reset button is and you need to know that there's some things that you need to reset in your life and you need to do it and you say it's going to be difficult I know it will it's it's going to be it's going to you're not going to have somebody cheering you on you're not going to have somebody, yeah, yeah, you're resetting your life. You're going, yeah, I'm going to simplify some things in my life. You're not going to have people cheering you on. In other, you're going to say, hey, wait a minute, you're not there. I, we need you there. We, we need you to, to, to be in this. So the Holy Spirit knows how to work in our lives to pinpoint those areas in our life. And I'm just going to ask you, just give them to him, whatever they are. Just say, okay, here they are. Come back next week, part two. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful. that in both Martha and Mary's lives they made this they made this narrative that gives us insight into our lives I pray that um, that we would do more than just open up our homes to serve Christ and his kingdom purpose but may we open our hearts to serve and to receive Christ in his kingly presence. Lord, we know that it is that that brings ultimate meaning to our lives. So help us today as your people to do a reset.
God's sake. All God's people said amen. Stand with me.